Welcome back, Jim and the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. With us right now on the team line, Paul Kane. Hello, Paul. How are you? Good morning, Jim. Good. How are you? I'm doing well. So along with being, of course, District 51's athletic director, you're also the chairperson of the Tournament and Playoff Finance Committee. And yesterday, the, the Legislative Committee uh, voted on some issues, and we'll get to the shot clock thing in a moment, but the one that uh, you were involved in was the uh, amending the association's tournament and playoff finance structure. And this has certainly a big potential financial impact in a positive way on high schools. Kind of take us through what this change means to the to the coffers of, of, of high schools when it comes to the postseason. Well, if you go back to uh, when Robbie Owens was here and Junction made that that run in the in the I think they were five A football playoffs back then. We had some games where you know seventy percent of the gate uh, on postseason for football goes to Chassa, and I don't remember exactly what the total was, but we had back to back games where we sent checks to Chassa for twenty nine and like thirty two thousand dollars. And it just kind of rubbed me wrong that you know that they were getting that kind of money. I know they need they need about a half a million dollars to come in um, to to make things operate of the current structure. And so what we looked at as a committee, we we met several times and tried to come up with some options. Um, and you know what, a couple things that bother me: you go to a postseason basketball game and we have to charge our kids and we have to charge our coaches and everybody that comes in and. It doesn't feel like a playoff atmosphere, you know. There's not many people in there, and it just—it's kind of depressing. And so, uh, this opens up. Chasses will not get any of the money, and it opens up. It's up to the schools now. If we want to let kids in free with their SBA sticker when they have that, we can do that. If we want to let coaches in with their coaches' passes, we can do that. So it opens up some opportunities in that way. Now, what? would be a hurt for us is when we travel, like when Fruta went to Broomfield for football, the playoff guarantee, Broomfield, and they still haven't paid us, they owe us about $2,500 for the playoff guarantee. So we'll lose that, but on the flip side, the week before when Fruta hosted, I believe it was Fountain Fork Carson, we had to pay them the guarantee. So I think it's going to be close to a wash for us. Um, it's just a... Um, a fundamental change on how on how Chassa does that, and we what we decided was we broke it by classification. If you're a one A school, you're going to pay six hundred dollars, and all the way up to six A schools pays twenty six hundred dollars to uh, capture that money that Chassa needs. And then the, the postseason is going to be up to the schools now. If there's a proceed of over a thousand dollars on the, the playoff games, then twenty five percent goes back to the, the traveling school. Paul Kane with us this morning, District 51 Athletic Director uh, on the Team Sports Network. Your quote in the Denver Post article, Paul, is saying that 85% of last year's hosts for the wrestling regionals lost money. The deficit would now actually turn into a, a $5,000 profit for each host school. So in that circumstance, that's a situation where this will be beneficial to those schools that host those tournaments. Absolutely. And I think uh, Chass is having a hard time finding people that want to host. And, you know, if you're going to put in extra work and do that, and, and you know when you lose money, you're going to ask those schools that are participating in that to help with the cost of of losing that. So, so you know we just ran some numbers, and you know if you're going to do the extra work of hosting a wrestling regional, you should make some money for your programs and in your school. So, 
But, I think long term it'll be a good it'll be a good thing. Um, there was some opposition, mainly from Denver Public Schools and Aurora Public Schools, and they felt that their teams don't make the postseason, so they shouldn't have to pay. And so they felt that that was a burden. That the schools that make the playoffs should be paying the extra money. So they're making the assumption that their school, their their teams are never going to make the playoffs. And okay, that's that's, yeah. that's kind of what they were wow. saying. Which I I <laughs> wow. kind of was like, man, if I was a coach in that area, I, I, that's not a real comforting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That the expectation is, well, we really hope you don't make it because we don't have to pay any of this money because we don't think you're going to make it anyway. Yeah. What? Right. What great support from? Yeah. Exactly. From, oh, that's. Uh, that's a little bit mind blowing. So, uh, uh, let's talk about the shot clock because the the legislative uh, council voted against uh, implementing the shot clock, and uh, you know we've talked about it. And I, I saw Mike Kruger, Chassa Commissioner, recently. We we talked about it a little bit, and and there there seemed to be a sense of you know it's a bur- it's gonna be a burden for smaller schools. Got to find somebody else to run the shot clock, and and you know it's already tough to find enough people to to keep the book and do PA and all those kind of things. And are we really solving a problem? Are we solving a problem that doesn't really exist uh, in in high school basketball in the state? And I think that also kind of fell into this decision voting against the the shot clock, the cost, and also does it really is it solving a problem that doesn't really exist? Yeah, you know that that's this is such a heated topic, and it's interesting. The last five weeks, I really felt in in De- in December that this shot clock was a go. And in the last five, six weeks, things kind of turned. And I think people started looking at the financial commitment. Not only, you know, for our district to add shot clocks in each of our gyms, it's about $50,000. And then the cost of paying a worker for every single game at every single level, that, that's going to add up over time. But, you know, we were willing to do that. And the Southwestern League did vote for it. Um, but, you know, and then they made an amendment from the floor at the meeting, which kind of made sense to me is just to have a shot clock for varsity games. Now, when you make an amendment from the floor, it takes a two-thirds majority, and, and when the vote came out, it still didn't even have a simple majority. So I really believe that there'll be another proposal in our April Legislative Council around shot clock, and I don't know what that'll look like, but uh, I don't think this thing's going away. Do you feel like it's a problem that needs to be solved? Uh, you know, I don't. And I, I know that might be... I know a lot of our coaches would probably disagree with me, but, you know, um, there's nothing wrong with not having a shot clock. You know, if a team wants to work two, three minutes off the clock and get a good shot, you know, that's, that's a game of basketball. I don't see yeah. a problem. And look, in, in Buckeye and myself, we, we call high school games, and I don't, look, I don't sit there with a stopwatch and, and time every possession. But The problem yeah. we've come across is more inability to rebound defensively, which should be on the schools to institute the shot clock then. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, yeah, I just don't think I don't. I can't think of that many extremely ungodly long possessions. Paul, I maybe mean, go. Oh, she's he's going four corner, and they chew up three minutes off the clock. I, I just, I don't feel. I just don't feel like the ones I've done, and this is just me, you know, being you know, radio anecdotal evidence, yeah, you know, radio guy. That's this huge, huge problem. I don't either. And you know, when I was on Chass's board of directors, they would send a. Uh, the board to the summer, national summer meetings, and I'd always attend the the national basketball rules committee meeting. And shot clock was a hot topic then, but this it's been five six years since I've been on the board. But the states that have it, scoring only went up like two point seven five points a game. It wasn't like scoring went up a ton. Yeah, once so, again, I, yeah, I just don't know if it's a problem that that really needs to be fixed. 
I don't think it's a problem yeah. that really exists. You know, last night's game with Fruita Junction, and, you know, good, good for Fruita because it's part of the game, but, you know, Fruita ran a minute, minute and a half, minute and 40 seconds off late just because they were waiting to get a good shot, and they got layup out of it, you know? And, you know, if you have the shot clock, you can't do that, and people were upset about that, but that's within the rules now. There's nothing wrong with that. And how often does that happen? Yeah, not very often. Yeah, that's, <laughs> you I mean, know? that's what I'm saying is how often does that happen? You're, you're trying to fix something that is such a rare occurrence, but you invest all this time, energy, and a lot of money into yep. something that really doesn't, that doesn't fix a problem that, that actually doesn't exist. Yeah. 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 Um, we had Corey Hitchcock, Palisades coach, on very quickly. I want to ask you about this. He put a thing on Facebook about wouldn't it be cool if we played like a, played a high school basketball game during the day so students would be easier for them to attend. Like one one game, maybe Palisades Central in the afternoon. Uh, thought that'd be a cool idea. I think some other school districts elsewhere in the country have have done this. You're the guy. You're the you're at the top of the food chain in this. Would that ever be something that could possibly fly? Just one one you know a boys and a girls game during the day, during the week. I, I see multiple issues. It's funny. He's, he hasn't even brought this up with me first time i've heard of it but anyway that's okay um you know you're taken away from an instructional time and you know i think that in this day and age things have kind of changed there so that's one one issue but then that makes it tough on parents and, and grandparents and spectators sure. to come watch too so um well this is yeah, something I he threw out i think he just found it somewhere on facebook and he threw it out i'm a facebook friend of his and i just said hey sure. i saw this thing on facebook yeah, it would be kind of cool, but I could see all the a lot of the, the things that you just mentioned, Paul. The the challenges of of making that happen, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's interesting. I mean, I, I'd love to. Is there somewhere in Colorado or somebody that has done it and love to pick their brain? What's the pros and cons of it? What you know, just someone that's done it. Uh, absolutely. What? Yeah. And how successful has it been? What were you know, some or or why did would you, you bag it again? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's, exactly. Yeah. I, yeah, that's interesting. I've just never heard of that, but yeah. All right. Well, Corey's the guy to talk to on that part. I will, so. I will talk to Corey. I'll see him soon. So. <laughs> All right. Very good. Paul, All I appreciate right. it. Thank you, sir. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. You Bye. too. Paul Kane, District 51 Athletic Director, joining us on the program. All right. That's our show today and uh, coming up tomorrow on the program.